Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders at the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And I think I would be safe in saying that one of the Lord's best known and most beloved parables would be the parable of the Good Samaritan. It is pretty amazing that people who really have little or no familiarity with the Bible know at least something about the Good Samaritan. That is a testimony to the great value and usefulness for our lives and relationships with others that beautiful story contains. There are many different aspects of the parable that can make for really great discussions, but for today what I want to focus upon is the motive of the lawyer that prompted Jesus to tell that memorable story. We'll begin with Luke chapter 10, reading verses 25 through 39. This is what we find. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How does it read to you? And he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But wishing to justify himself, the lawyer said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? Luke's account sets the stage for what comes after. We find a certain lawyer. Lawyers were a very learned group of scholars, usually Pharisees who specialized in the exposition of the law. Some think that they were different from the scribes who copied the law, while the lawyers expounded upon it orally. We are told that this particular individual asked this question, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life, to test, tempt, or make trial of Jesus? But as an expounder of the law, I'm not certain we can say that there was necessarily a malicious design to his question. Talking about and discussing the law was what this man did. It is a good question. The fact that it dealt with eternal life strongly indicates that he was a Pharisee, for that group was noted for their belief in the resurrection. Our Lord's response placed the burden upon the lawyer himself. He was a lawyer, a student of the law. What did the law say? How did he read it? His answer was from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5 and Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18. The statement from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And that was a natural answer for the lawyer to give. After all, it was recited by devout Jews every morning and evening and was written on their phylacteries. The second part of the lawyer's response was from Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18. You shall not take vengeance, 
nor bear any grudge against sons of your people, but you will love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This was perhaps not so frequently quoted as Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5, but it is a beautiful passage that combined with the other comprises the basis for the law. Jesus commended the lawyer's answer, but also made a fine distinction. The answer was correct, but one had to do more than just say it. He had to do it. He had to live it. But then we find that, wishing to justify himself, the lawyer said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Why did this lawyer feel the need to justify himself? Was it because Jesus had answered his question so skillfully that he now felt foolish in asking it? Perhaps. However, and much more probable was because what he knew to be the truth and the way he was actually living just did not match up. The gospel accounts certainly indicate to us that certain of the Pharisees were more than willing to put their own definition upon the word neighbor and thereby greatly limit who they felt responsible for. Now he feels the need to justify himself. So let's go ahead and read the Lord's answer in verses 30 through 37. Jesus replied and said, A certain man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him, and went off leaving him half dead. And by chance a certain priest was going down on that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, who was on a journey, came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion, and came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the next day he took two denarii, and gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return I will repay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the one who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, The one who showed mercy toward him. And Jesus said to him, Go and do the same. There are some occasions when justifying ourselves is acceptable and even called for. For example, when we are falsely accused of something. Even the Apostle Paul justified himself on several occasions. In fact, A major portion of the second Corinthian letter is Paul doing just that. But it seems to me in a lot of instances, we seek to justify ourselves when we are wrong and don't want to admit it and don't want to make the necessary changes, apologies, or whatever else we should do. Instead, there is a tendency to make excuses, try to blame others, even attack others, and ask questions to divert attention from ourselves and on and on and on. This isn't unusual. It happens all the time. Why are we so often this way, seeking to justify ourselves? I guess it's ego working over time. It is pride, arrogance, and stubbornness, a sinful trinity if ever there was one. The truth is this tendency to seek to justify ourselves is a tendency that we should have begun to confront remove and overcome when we obeyed the gospel. Remember what Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 24. 
The passage says, And he was saying to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. Do you see any self-justification in that? Actually, it is exactly the opposite. There is another parable of the Lord's found in the gospel according to Luke as well that certainly fits in with what we're talking about in this episode. So we'll go to Luke chapter 18 and read the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector from verses 9 through 14 and notice what prompted this parable. The passage says, And he also told this parable to certain ones who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax gatherer. The Pharisee stood and was praying thus to himself, God, I thank thee that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax gatherer. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax gatherer, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled, but he who humbles himself shall be exalted. Luke tells us that the parable was told to certain ones who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. The Pharisee attempted to justify himself before God based on what he was and what he wasn't. He failed miserably. The tax collector humbly poured out his soul to God in the word, Be merciful to me, a sinner. What was the Lord's conclusion? I'll tell you. This man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled, but he who humbles himself shall be exalted. Seeking to justify ourselves when we should just be humble and admit that we have been wrong or haven't been where we ought to be, why do we do that? And it appears to be something done rather often. Well, James chapter 3 verses 13 through 18 will help us to understand why. James wrote these words, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. James contrasts two types of wisdom in this passage. The first is an earthly, sensual, demonic kind of wisdom. It is that which produces jealousy selfish ambition, and arrogance. These are the very kinds of things that prompt us to seek to justify ourselves when in fact we should be willing to examine ourselves instead of automatically seeking to make ourselves look good. 
Now note the contrast between that and the wisdom from above. Recognizing that this is wisdom from above, it reminds me of what Solomon had to say in Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1-6. through six. He wrote, My son, if you will receive my sayings and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. This wisdom from above that comes from God is first pure. It denotes that which is uncontaminated, without fault, completely good. It is a kind of goodness that shrinks from pollution of any kind. It is manifested in purity of doctrine, mind, and life, a demonstration of a respect for our holy God who is pure. This wisdom from above is then peaceable. That means peace-loving, exhibiting the disposition that produces and maintains peace. You see how important this is in learning not to seek to always justify ourselves, So often when it comes necessary to speak to someone about a sin that they have committed or a poor decision that they have made, something that they should have done and didn't, the immediate reaction is to attempt to place the blame on the one who has come to them instead of on themselves. That does not produce and maintain peace. This wisdom from above is then gentle. That designates an attitude of forbearance really the attitude that does not demand its rights all the time. It is the disposition that will even suffer wrong in the cause of right. How often when approached with something that we could have done better, do we respond with, well, what about you? Or react so negatively in an attempt to justify ourselves? The wisdom that is from above is then reasonable. Depending upon the translation you are using, you might find willing to yield or easy to be entreated. This word occurs nowhere else in Scripture. If a person is reasonable or easy to be entreated, it means that people feel completely comfortable in coming to them because they are open to reason, ready to hear what others have to say, even about them, and willing to yield to what is right. There is no weakness inherent in this word. It is all about strength of character. The one who won't take constructive criticism well is one who is not easy to be entreated. The one who is easy to be entreated will listen carefully to what others have to say, and if it appears that the course he has adopted is the wrong one, he will not hesitate to abandon it and change. The wisdom from above is also full of mercy and good fruits. The characteristics of this wisdom from above that we have talked about, pure, peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, are attitudes. These now are the actions that come from those attitudes. This is the test. The characteristics are only real when they result in action, mercy, and good fruits. The one with wisdom from above will stand upon what he or she knows to be right, won't be vacillating and easily changed by whoever they happen to be talking to, and will really be what they appear to be. Those who are without hypocrisy are sincere, open in their dealings, and absolutely without pretense. 
So how about some questions for us to be answered privately with absolutely honest answers? Am I easy to be entreated? Are others able to reason with me or do I respond very negatively to criticism or suggestions different from what I want to do? Am I given to justifying myself and not really willing to consider that I might just be wrong and need to make some changes for my own good and the good of others? We can see why the Lord's conclusion to the Good Samaritan story, go and do likewise, fits the lawyer's need so very well. The task is challenging, to battle with self-justification all the time, with arrogance and pride, but it can be done. It is part of what the Lord wants us to do. Let us be busy about doing it. Again, words to think about. Thanks for listening.